0: aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don.
1: I once again welcome you to another Estate Planning Essentials podcast program. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the grateful owner of KWM Radio, and co-host of this program, honorably seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my co-host, and his name is Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don, how you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Looking forward to another program, Michael. I'm so so grateful that you're here to teach us about the law and estate planning government assistance. Uh, You've been an attorney, I I ask you this quite often, you always give me the same answer because you don't want to tell your age, you don't want to tell how long you've been doing this but you're just an elder elder law attorney who's been doing this for decades, and that's as most as we can say?
2: That's about right. That's, okay, great. De- the, the
1: defi- definitely the elder, elder law attorney, that's for sure. Okay, I don't necessarily agree. You should see him. He's in great shape, in my opinion. Um, but nevertheless, you'll be in great shape after you listen to this next 25 minutes of this program because Michael's going to help us. And in particular today, we're going to talk about Medicaid and the problems people have with Medicaid Applications sounds a little esoteric, but you really will enjoy listening to this.
2: Yeah, you know most people don't have long term care insurance, and so when or adequate income or resources. So a lot of times, uh, people look to the government for assistance. They think that Medicare is going to cover them, and it's not. And so. Uh, Now, there are different programs, uh, 109 Medicaid programs, actually, in in Texas. We're not going to go through – we're only going to go through 108 today. (laughs) Thank you, Uh, I think. (laughs) Yeah. So – but the most common thing, in all sincerity, is uh, the – when somebody needs to go into a nursing home. Yeah. uh, And – so we're going to just talk about that one particular program because it's just the most common one. Because as people live longer, there's more likelihood of uh, uh, people going into care. Yeah. Yesterday, I went to a relative's 100th birthday. Wow. Yeah. And he was um, – his wife just died last year. If they had, she had made it to January, they've been married for 80 years. Goodness. Yeah. Well, the longer we live – the longer we live, the more likely that we're going to need some care. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to say, well, do I have insurance to cover that cost of care or do I have enough assets to pay for the cost of care? Mm-hmm. Well, so as a result, since most people don't, uh, they, we say, well, how can we have governmental assistance so that either the spouse can live off assets for the remainder of their life or we just want to... Uh, accelerate or do something for the benefit of the ill person to – just like tax laws, there are certain things that you could do. Uh, and so there's – you have to apply for Medicaid. So there are certain mistakes that you could make when you do the application. So I thought we'd talk about some of those mistakes. Excellent. The first one is when – let's say you have a parent going into a nursing home and, and you know that they'll probably never come home. But the homestead is an exempt resource. So sometimes people on the application says, is there an intent to return home? If there's no, if you don't say, oh, there's no intent to return home, he'll never come back or she'll never, mom will never come back home. Well, if you say that, mm-hmm. then you lose the exemption. Mm. And so for each month that you fail to say that there's an intent to return home, most people want to come back home. And so uh, most people don't want to be in a nursing home to begin with. As my father
1: says, the income is there. The savings is there. Never put me in a home no matter what.
2: Yeah. Um, so, but sometimes you can't help help right. it. You can't take care of them for whatever reason. Uh, it's maybe too costly. Uh, you know, maybe a parent lived at home right. and they were single. And, mm-hmm. you know, they just had, uh, yeah. let's say, either really bad dementia or health issues that needs a skilled care right you know it could be somebody has it could be any number of things so um, anyway there's a box on the application says do you intend to return home And there's actually another form little form that you say yeah we intend to return home if you have that it doesn't count as an asset so well che- I check say, that box, yeah, almost check invariably. That box okay. or sign that intent to return home form okay. now on the home there is an equity limit um, right now in 2023 if you're single if there's married if you're married there's no limit you could have a two million dollar home now most people who have a two million dollar home are not going to be applied for Medicaid but right. if you have a homestead and you're single and the equity limit is uh, right now six hundred and eighty eight thousand equity is you know the difference between your mortgage and your what the value of the property is mm-hmm. so uh, it so really most people's homes in Texas are their apply for medicaid uh, are probably less than it's going to be over 700,000 so most people's homes are uh, probably less than that although with all the different people moving into the state True. the values keep on rising
1: all cash offers and yeah. 120% of the asking price happens a lot still yeah. at least here
2: yeah another thing is You know, a common thing used in estate planning is to have a revocable living trust, a revocable living trust. This is to avoid probate and to avoid guardianship and for privacy and not having to go by the state's rules and uh, having where, you know, like a will, you'd have it's a matter of public record, et cetera. However, uh, and so a lot of times people put their home into a revocable living trust. Mm -hmm. Under the Medicaid rules, if you put your home into a revocable living trust, it will count as a resource. Is that right? So Um, even though you're in total control, you maybe get the same uh, property tax exemptions you had if it was in your individual name, uh, under the Medicaid rules, if you put the home in a revocable trust, then uh, it will count as a resource. Now, sometimes we put them in irrevocable trust uh, and... Uh, that's considered a transfer. So it's subject to a five-year look-back period. Um, Another thing that and we'll talk about on another show in more detail is a failure to take advantage of spousal prevention from impoverishment rules. So um, I think we'll talk about this in a couple weeks, but uh, there's a way where you could have more than what they call the maximum. (laughs) you can have more than the max Mm -hmm. uh, if you're depending upon what your income is. So uh, you should be aware that if income is low enough that you can keep more assets, more than what Medicaid says is the limit. So you should take advantage of that. And actually there's, if your income is insufficient, sometimes there's even ways to increase your income limit that you can keep. Um, There's also uh, rules where, a spouse could get some of the income of the uh, well spouse, if not – I mean income of the ill spouse. The well spouse could get the income of the ill spouse and perhaps all the income depending upon what the factual situation may be. Another one would be failure to consider life insurance if it has a cash surrender value. People think about life insurance and they don't realize that sometimes Depending on the type of policy, you know, if you have a whole life or universal life policy, there's a cash value. Well, Medicaid says if you can get to the money, you could pay for the cost of care. Now, if it's a term policy, which has just an at-death benefit, typically if you have like a – if you're a teacher, you may have a certain life insurance or some employers have life insurance that is a group policy basically, that wouldn't count as a resource Mm -hmm. because uh, it would – um, now it gets it because it's not something you can cash in. It's just right. an at death benefit. Right. Now it should be noted, however, if you have that ill spouse as the beneficiary and you're the one that has the life insurance policy, if you died first, then that could jeopardize the Medicaid eligibility. So you have to. There's planning that you should do uh, if you can to uh, reduce that risk. Um, and that is there's certain things like sometimes we do. Uh, wills with special needs trust uh, so that it won't count as a resource. Mm -hmm. So let's say it goes to according to your state, and the state creates a trust for the ill spouse, which doesn't count for Medicaid. So typically on a will, if you have an I love you will all to spouse, uh, that would be a mistake for those people who might need long-term care. So the people who have the simple wills, which is the most typical thing that says all to spouse, If you don't have long-term care insurance, that should be uh, looked at uh, because we could – and also, by the way, you should probably look at the power of attorney – with the right to partition. We talked last week about surviving spouse's rights and community property and things like that. Sometimes you want to have it to be separate property. So, like in this example, uh, we might want to say it's all the, all the assets are that of the surviving, uh, of the well spouse. But remember, we talked earlier uh, last week and we said, well, just if you're, it's in the name of one spouse doesn't mean it's not community property. Mm-hmm. So, if you have a partition and say it's the sold sole and separate property, just think of it as a post agreement, now it's separate property, and if you died first, it could go into a trust that doesn't count for public benefits for Medicaid. Okay. So anyway, uh, getting back to uh, the Medicaid application, failure to take advantage of trust. Um, sometimes uh, there's different types of trusts that are deal with different types of Medicaid issues. If your income is too great, well, then there's an income trust. This also gets to the power of attorney, by the way. So for people who do not, who just have a standard statutory form, that's insufficient. Um, we need to have the ability to create trust. If I had time, I could tell you a couple of uh, uh, success stories. Just thinking about what happened this week uh, and. We'll see what happens as if I have enough time. But I want to go through some of these other things first. Okay. Uh, but a in, there's a certain type of income trust. Sometimes, if you're under 65, you could create a trust. With a payback provision to the government if it's your own assets, but won't count for Medicaid. So mm. it's called a, a first party special needs trust. Mm. So the only problem is so let's say even it wasn't long term care Medicaid, let's say somebody was 30 years old and either inherited some money, uh, then they could create if something, either they, mm. a parent, grandparent, court, or guardian could create the trust and it won't not count for Medicaid. So, the, so the idea is to take care of those who are disabled. Uh, so, uh, but there will be a payback to the to the at at death to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to make a higher quality of life for those who are disabled. Um, failure to take advantage. Uh, oh, there's other types of trust too. So, somebody I should mention. Um, Sometimes there's what's called um, sole benefits trust. If somebody's just on social security disability, there's a certain type of trust there Mm -hmm. for Medicaid that's an exception to transfer penalty rules. For people who plan further in advance, we've talked about a revocable trust where you could have elements of control that will not count as a resource after five years. Again, this is another reason why people should look at their power of attorney because 90% of of the powers of attorney that I see do not have that authority. Interesting. So we want to, if you do not have that adequate uh, assets or income, then your power of attorney probably should be reviewed. Okay. Um, Failure to take advantage of some of the other exceptions to the transfer penalty rules. Now, I just mentioned there's a certain one, if somebody, let's say, is on Social Security Disability, that there's a certain type of trust that you could create, uh, but that's We don't see that happen very often, but there are other exceptions. So I just mentioned there's no transfer penalty between spouses, so we transfer the assets to the uh, well spouse. And I just mentioned about the partition uh, so that if that well spouse dies first, all the assets are used for the ill spouse, and then it could go to the children or whoever it is you want. Mm -hmm. So now you preserve more resources for the benefit of your family. Uh, Another one would be, uh, oh, there are some other exceptions, Uh, a disabled child. uh, Mm -hmm. But you have to be careful. Mm -hmm. If the kids on Medicaid themselves, then that means there's too much assets if we gave to them. But if the disabled child, let's say, is on Social Security Disability, which is where you've worked some period of time, but you just became disabled, but they don't look at your assets, Mm -hmm. a transfer to a disabled child or to somebody who's blind, a child who's blind, is an exception to the transfer penalty. Rules and also uh, irrevocable 529s. Um, at 529s, the college education fund. Uh, a lot of times it's simpler to just do uh, because uh, into a uniform transfers to minors act account uh, at any bank hmm. uh, is simpler because uh, most a lot of 529s are not irrevocable and so you have to kind of look into it, it's really easy to set up a bank account for a child or a grandchild or perhaps even great-grandchild under 21, mm-hmm. and the uh, transfers into that type of account are an exception to Medicaid's uh, tr- five-year look-back period for thinking that you reduced your assets on purpose to, regain, to gain eligibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you failed – the people who failed to look at that, well, they should look at things before they apply mm-hmm. because they might – they may rather uh, take care of a grandkid's education than pay for a nursing home, for example. And right. and and Texas recognizes it's important to have education, otherwise they wouldn't have that exception. So a lot of these the exceptions are because we want things to It's almost an encouragement. Like we talked about the intent to return home, we would prefer you to live at home. We don't have to pay for care. Uh, Well, actually, there is a Medicaid program at home as well, uh, the Star Plus Medicaid program, and uh, there's different rules on that as Mm -hmm. far as a look-back period. There's a five-year look-back period, but the way they calculate the penalty is completely different. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also about the income, Uh, there's lots of different things uh, well beyond the time that we have here today. Um, so anyway, so you should take advantage of the transfer penalty exceptions. Another thing is failure timely apply, either too early or too late. Mm-hmm. You don't apply before somebody's in for long-term care Medicaid before they're even in the facility. Mm-hmm. We get this question quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um they think you have to be on Medicaid first. But no, the requirement is you be in a facility that accepts Medicaid and be have a medical necessity for being there and have a Medicaid bed available. Hmm. Those are things that you cannot control. You're going to have to look at the situation. So if you apply too soon, well, you're not going to have eligibility. Now, on the other hand, if you apply too late, then that's a bad thing too because let's say you were uh, single and uh, – uh, or if, even if you're married and you could expand the amount of assets that could be kept, they only go back three months prior to the month of application. So let's say you waited too long, you're ha- you are gonna you could have had eligibility, unless there was a, tr- a gift, There you could have had eligibility three months prior. So if you waited for a fourth month, let's say, right. uh, then an extra month, then I'm only going to go back three months, and so I've lost the difference at least. Uh, the difference between the income and the cost of care. Well, the average cost of care is over around $7,500 a month. I'm chair of a facility where the cost of care is over ten or 11000 a month. Amazing. And so what's, your income is generally a lot less than that. Typically, Social Security or pension mm-hmm. is generally a lot different. So each month that you fail to act cost you the difference at the very least, I say the very least, the difference between income and the cost of care, because sometimes you could divert income if it was a spousal situation to the well spouse, which means it could have been as much as the entire cost of care. So that means if it was $7,500 a month for each month that you delayed, it could have cost you $7,500. So failure to timely apply is another exception. And that's a big thing. Um, <laughs> failure to
1: register for Michael's next workshop is also a mistake that people make all the time meaning you haven't been to Michael's workshop and you need to be because I mean listen to this program the first 15-20 minutes of the program listen to how complicated this can be Michael knows this so well that um, he can just keep going and going and going, like he did the last show regarding widow's benefits and, and on and on and on there's so much to talk about and he doesn't read um, he doesn't breathe that often either, which makes me nervous because he just goes. This is the kind of attorney you want, but you need to see for yourself. And the way to see for yourself is to attend his next workshop, which is slated for Saturday, December the 9th at ten o'clock. And Michael, tell him all about your workshops that you've been
2: doing ten, eleven, twelve years now. Yeah, really. I, that's why I said I'm an elder elder law attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah, it's free, mm-hmm. no obligation. Great. No, no you don't have. Uh, in fact, not only if you go to the free. Two-hour estate planning essentials workshop, where it could talk about estate planning, we could talk about Medicaid, like we're talking about today, could talk about anything related to estate planning. Um, then, uh, so we'll at, you'll ask your questions, whatever it is. We ask, we start off. by saying, what do you want to know? I write them on a board. Uh, we will have a presentation on general things like estate planning, mm-hmm. wills, trusts, powers, of attorney, things like that. A lot of times, you know, like we've talked about here today, there's different things you could do. We just talked about how the will was a special needs trust if mm-hmm. you didn't have long-term care uh, insurance or adequate income or assets. So um, anyway, we'll talk about estate planning, we talk about Medicaid, mm-hmm. and we ask whatever questions that people want to know. Sometimes people ask about Ladybird Bird deeds, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, we haven't even talked about that today. Uh, they could ask about uh, anything, they, or transfer on debt deeds, or there's all sorts of different types of things. We never know what people are going to ask. Every workshop has been different for mm-hmm. those 10 or 11 years because the questions are different. and We never know what people are going to ask, Great. and it, which is quite frankly why I enjoy them because mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's a good thing uh, to see what people's questions are. and. Quite frankly, uh, I feel comfortable in answering those. And you learn a lot, not only from uh, your questions, but you'll learn from the questions of others. Uh, And then you might think about, oh, I hadn't thought about that. And you probably hadn't. And uh, at least you'll have a right to know more. and It's free. It's no obligation. In other
1: other words, Michael loves the challenges of, of new questions. And he will simply say to you, he doesn't know if he doesn't know
2: yeah uh, luckily uh haven't had many of those good uh, yes. so uh, you can't uh, you're an elder law attorney uh, well, you're not allowed to say i don't know anymore right yeah right. <laughs> you know obviously nobody knows everything but mm-hmm. um you know, you, I stick to your area. Right. Good. If you stick to your area. Stay in your be, lane. Yeah, mm-hmm. stay in your lane, then you're more likely to be. There's lots of things that, that people don't know, and I certainly don't either as well. But Good for you. But luckily on the questions I've been asked, it's been pretty successful so Excellent.
1: far. Excellent. Glad to hear that. Well, his next workshop is scheduled for Saturday, December the 9th, and you want to go to that because there's a lot of free. The, the workshop is free. There's free coffee. There's free donuts there's free croissants these kinds of things and there's free KWM coffee mugs whether you listen to KWM or not you'll get that then you get by attending the workshop a free vision meeting with michael which is a private meeting with you and yours to go over your individual circumstances without an audience and that's very successful too i understand
2: yeah, and yes, it is. But I, I should mention that for, since it's getting closer to oh, Thanksgiving and again. Christmas, I tried to brush over that very lightly, and it but you didn't know work. some people are looking wondering what should they get for their loved ones at Christmas. N- no, they're not those free KWM no, coffee no, money. Nobody's I think, wondering that. I think that some people come for that reason alone. Yeah, uh, it's not the free education uh-huh. to learn more about what you can right. do to help your loved ones. Right. It's really to get that KWM coffee. You make, know what? Sure. It's
1: probably the only thing you're disillusioned about is the KWM coffee. Everything else you're pretty accurate on.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. To to attend that free Estate Planning Essentials workshop, to get that three free hours, that is the two hour workshop mm-hmm. and a free one hour vision meeting if you so desire, uh, all you have to do is call 214 720 0102. That's 214 720 0102 or sign up online at Dallas Elder lawyer.com that's Dallas elderlawyer.com or call that number at 214-720-0102. Now, I'll occasionally watch The 2020s and Datelines of the World,
1: um, curious about how the legal minds work, how police officers work, and where these crazy people are. And many times they'll they'll find the culprit and the culprit will not plea but go to court and defend themselves they play the attorney and I'm thinking, this is crazy. Why would you do that? And I I don't think Michael in my lifetime I've ever seen any person be their own attorney and prevail. In your situation with Medicaid application, you keep implying that make sure you, you look over the application. I would imagine, Michael, if it's me applying for Medicaid, I would want an attorney to look at my application.
2: Well, I mean, sometimes there's extremely simple ones, and okay. so a lot of times nursing homes do that. But, you know, a lot of the, since there's a lot of mistakes, even if a facility does it for free and they make a mistake, well, just how many months, and this has happened quite a bit. Uh, we see it a lot of times. They for- Oh, we forgot about that life insurance policy. Or we didn't tell you about that policy, and that puts you over the limit. And then all of a sudden, there. and, of course, how long it takes is a delay before the state even approves. So it usually takes four to six months before there's approval. Oh, wow. And so if it- let's say you did this and you had those three months prior, uh, and then you applied. So you're talking about now you have – oh, nursing home says, well, now you have to pay us for that – Seven, ten months, how, and what seventy five hundred a month, yeah, uh, oh, 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 you know, so, and then you have to look at the admission agreement, see if. What they did to see if the uh, child uh, signed something that said that they were personally liable. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, it could be kind of it's it could be more dangerous than you realize. Right. Um, so uh, you know, yeah. it, 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 maybe so, have an attorney look at it to be yeah, safe. I if mean, it's not I, mean simple. I I think that, but I mean, I'm not, I don't tell everybody to have an attorney look at a Medicaid application, but probably in the majority of cases that, especially if there's any assets at all but even though even simple ones sometimes need because even um you know let's say you have a home and this has nothing to do with the application it was exempt uh and the nursing home applies for for and for free for Mm -hmm. medicaid well that's fine let's say they got medicaid right but then after death what happens to the home? Mm-hmm. Well, the state has a right to make a claim against it. They didn't care about that. No, they don't care they, about that. We, well, so the elder law attorney uh, would want to usually, if possible, protect that home for the benefit of the family. And whereas the nursing home, the, all they cared about was eligibility. Mm-hmm. Well, So it's not just the eligibility. It's also thinking about either a spouse or a family as well as that person themselves in addition to getting eligibility. So circling back in my opinion,
1: don't play attorney. Have an attorney overlook your application because that's what Michael's recommending because that's needed the majority of the time. And you're just better off spending that small amount of money to make sure you don't get burned or make a mistake. Michael, we got about one and a half minutes oh left regarding
2: the mistakes. Well, there's a lot of different things. A lot of times people, uh, by error or mistake, pay the the uh, bills of a child or a grandchild. That's considered a gift. Oh boy. <laughs> they, sometimes they pay a child as a caregiver most states that's okay. Uh, If they have an agreement, uh, Texas has a duty, but there are different ways to get around some things. Uh, Failure to identify all closed accounts. You forget about an account, so you better keep those 1099s. Making annual gift exclusions. You know, uh, the law is changing on uh, January 1st where you could give up to $18,000 a year without reporting the IRS, or $17,000 now. But for Medicaid, that is considered a transfer. So IRS rules and Medicaid rules are different. Uh, Failing to take the IRA Minimum distribution for um, you know for I- I- IRAs traditional IRAs don't count for Medicaid, mm-hmm. uh, but if you don't take out the required minimum distribution, it will count as a resource. Um, sometimes you could buy annuities within IRAs. Oh my goodness! Uh, looking at only that when you do a qualified income trust, you do, sometimes people only look at the net income, but the state looks at the gross income. Typically, you have a Medicare Part B premium taken out, uh, which is supposed to go up to one hundred seventy dollars, seventy four dollars and seventy cents, and at least at least. Mm-hmm. In twenty twenty four, right now one hundred sixty four ninety, uh, but they look at the gross, even though you don't get the money. Uh, you fail to look at the balances on on all the accounts. They they say, oh gee, uh, I didn't. Anyway, there's lots of different things. Too many. And so mm-hmm. people sometimes make mistakes in some of those things. So uh, be careful before you make those applications. Exactly, and that's the point that I brought up five minutes ago.
1: Have an attorney look at that application. In my general opinion. Uh, and attend Michael's Next Workshop in the meantime do- and go to that one on Saturday, December the 9th, 10 a.m. By signing up, you'll really enjoy it and you'll say to yourself when you leave, that was really time well spent. Dial two one four seven two zero zero one zero two, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com. Our Dallas Elder Lawyer, Michael Cohen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. The
0: That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM since 2013, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it's done your way and sign up for his next workshop today.